SequelCast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Let's go! Bye! No, I don't think so. Hey, let's break it! I'm gonna run so fast in my life! I don't have my luggage! Get luggage, we'll get you new luggage! Where you going? Run all the way back to LA! Sergio is chasing us! This is the longest hallway of all time! It's Kubrickia! You cannot outrun me! After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Sounds are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast, and they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast, and your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at movies in a franchise one film at a time. The theme song you just heard was written and performed by Mark with a C. I'm Matt and with me is Thrasher. Howdy, howdy, ho there. You can check out all our episodes at SequelCast.com and the Sequel Cast is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension podcast fleet. Comrade. Check out more of those shows at BattleshipPretension.com. And uh, we're uh, closing out a look at the Aldous Snow duology with Get Him to the Greek, last week we looked at Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Get Him to the Greek was directed by Nicholas Stoller, written by Nicholas Stoller, based on characters created by Jason Siegel and starring Jonah Hill, Russell Brand, Sean Combs, and Cole Meany. Music by Lyle Workman, cinematography by Robert Ewerman. This uh, was a released by Universal uh, Pictures, came out in 2010. Off a budget of forty million, made around ninety million worldwide. Nice. So, um, you know, and that's a little bit below what the the movie before this, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, made. Now, get him to the Greek. It's it's interesting, and I I don't know whether you call it a sequel or a spinoff. Why don't we start about that? I I will go ahead and and call it a sequel. It's just a very divergent sequel that doesn't try mm. to give us the first film over. It does what I think more sequels should do: take characters we want to explore more and and explore them. Just you know, give them their own space to breathe and do what they do. I guess it'd be the equivalent if Star Wars decided to do a Boba Fett movie. Except that would be terrible. Be- it could be. I could. I could see him making it. I don't know what the whole Disney Star Wars thing. Well, I could totally see could, it being made. And this this yeah. is probably another topic for another show. <laughs> but just remember right. what we know about Boba Fett from the movies is that he's the galaxy's most incompetent bounty hunter. I really don't want to see him bumble through a space opera for two hours. In the end, they reveal that Boba Fett is a uh, Kramer. From Kramer versus Kramer. Now, who do you think I was talking about? There's another Kramer? Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but Cosmo Kramer. Boom. And boom, Howard boom, Kramer. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Get him to the Greek. Um, so a- as we were sort of teasing, it focuses on the character of Aldous Snow, played both in this and the film before this, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, by Russell Brand. And uh, when, when did you first see Get Him to the Greek, Thrasher? Uh, actually, it was about uh, it was about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I had mm. uh, picked up uh, in preparation for this uh, for for this series of movies. I ended up just getting a set that was just a huge collection of Judd Apatow movies, and it happened to include Get Him really? to the Greek. Really? So my girlfriend and I uh, watched it, and we we had a real good time. Now, what was the set called? Because, I mean, Judd Apatow, he didn't direct this, but he was a producer, and he certainly produced a lot more recent comedies than he's directed. It was just, it was just, a, I don't think it's like a fancy box set, it was really just a bundle yeah. that had one, oh, okay. one case, you huh. know, one of those where they find a way to cram three DVDs into one tiny, tiny uh, case. Oh, I see. Um, so it was like, you know, three comedy classics or something. Yeah, yeah, just they all happened yeah, to be okay, uh, Apatow right. produced. Yeah, oh, I didn't know if it just bragged it was Apatow produced on the on the uh, title for the collection. 
I do not recall. You don't think so? Okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> we, I can I can find the graphic and I can post it. to the What website. else was in the collection? Was it "Get Him to the Greek" and "Forgetting Sarah Marshall" and something else? Uh, Forty Year Old Virgin and Knocked Up, actually. Okay, those first two were directed by Apatow. Huh. So interesting. Yeah, this um, "Get Him to the Greek" was in the Judd Apatow and Friends section of the Movie Madness Store in Portland, Oregon. I go to. Cool. Uh, I I did not see this in the the theater. And I didn't see Forgetting Sarah Marshall either in the theater. And uh, I wish I had on both counts. Mm, right. Uh, and we can talk about the feelings of uh, both of those sort of later. But with Apatow, the thing you can always count on on comedies he either directs or produces is he likes to mix sort of gross-out or vulgar humor with characters that have a story arc where they sort of change throughout the course of the movie or come to some realization where it ends up having some sort of pro-family message in a lot of cases. Well, I think what it is... Pro-relationship message. uh, Something that runs through a lot of these movies is that he's able to put real human emotion in these characters that are in a complete balls-out comedy. And that that's smart. You know, that makes it appeal to men and and women. And I think what makes it work is that it's a th- the, the the whole the, the the raw human emotion angle, that's a thread that that kind of winds its way through the whole film. It's not like most a lot of mediocre comedies that try to go for sentiment where there's just a really awkward, boring five minutes tacked on <laughs> towards the end of the film where all that emotional stuff has to happen real quick. Trim, you mentioned the director of this, Nicholas Stoller, uh, also directed Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So he directed both of the films in the Aldous Snow series. I don't know what you want to call it, but that's what I'm calling it, I guess. Uh, so at the beginning of this film is just real fantastic, sort of like what they did at the beginning of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You sort of uh, watch a kind of like update Hollywood sort of TV show where they talk about what the characters are doing, and you get to see part of a, a shoot of a music video. And from part of the Al- music video. Yeah, and part of the music video itself, from Aldous Snow's um, album with the titular single, African Child. which <laughs> And the album cover is just a close-up of Aldous Snow, and his tear forms the shape of the continent Africa. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a perfect i i don't know if this still happens anymore but it's sort of the perfect the perfect uh like satire of those those songs and albums uh from from the 80s that were about that that you know the, the, it's the album that's meant to quote unquote build awareness and, and it's just such a perfect breakdown of that kind of music and not just album i mean you in the 80s you had a lot of uh, singles where like all the super pop stars of the day got together and recorded like "We Are the World" or, or, or they do concerts where a bunch of different artists do their hit songs for like Farm Aid, kind of yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. So, <laughs> well, the other thing is, I yeah. like how the song builds because mm-hmm. not only do you get the same <laughs> kind of cliches and the same sentiment, yeah. and the same kind of you know uh, European rock star hanging around in collapsing African village, but that it takes a hard break and goes straight into it. It goes from being uh, it, it, it goes it goes from being that kind of well-meaning but misplaced sentiment into full-on ignorant and offensive. When like in the middle of the song, he breaks and just starts going "Uga Chaka Ula Baka" and doing that <laughs> idiotic dance. Well, in any of these songs that Aldous Snow performs, the name of his band is Infant Sorrow. Yes. You, they managed to have a lot of heavy sexual, I wouldn't even call them innuendos. No, they're like, not there's really. there's a later I... song about like, don't you want my, my banners, my beans and mash? Yeah, my beans and mash, yeah. Well, they're, they're yeah, they're... I think it just makes it makes the song funnier when you make them when you make them you shave off the, the sort of concealing metaphor and have it like right there ready to burst out on the surface. It's like that, you know. It's like it's like if you took the song "Making Whoopie," but at the end of every verse you would say, "By which I mean boning." Well, didn't Saturday Night Live sort of do that in a sketch? Uh, yeah, when Queen Latifah? Latifah hosted, they did this like history of this famous uh, torch singer, and all of her songs. Like she had a song called uh, "My Hoo Ha," and and like there was a ver- one. The last verse of the song was, "And just to make it clear, hoo ha is a euphemism 
for my vagina. But yeah, it's 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 not quite. It doesn't go quite that out by saying it. But yeah, they're they're not even trying to hide the 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 sexual references in the song, which I really like because it's the kind of song where if you played it for somebody who wasn't quite listening, they'd never know that the song is a complete joke. Like, I mean, Russell Brand as Aldous Snow is is great. But he has a bit more layers to his characters to play off of in this, given that he's the lead and get him to the Greek compared to forgetting Sarah Marshall. But um. And I like Jonah Hill as Aaron Green, but still, I wish somehow they would have made it the same character as Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he played a different character that was a waiter at this um, hotel bar in Hawaii that was just obsessed with Aldous Snow. Well, you know, you can think of him as that same character and just think that he kind of got his life together. And he's still an Aldous Snow fan, but he's not obsessive anymore. He respects Aldous Snow as an, as an artist, which is why when he's at that pitch meeting, he's able to make his pitch based on his extensive knowledge of Aldous Snow. And did you know what they did with the soundtrack for Get Him to the Greek? No. It's pretty interesting. What they did is just a concept album called Infant Sorrow, Get Him to the Greek, and it's just singles by uh, Aldous Snow's and his band Infant Sorrow. <laughs> Uh, which are played throughout the movie, and I think they have things on there that aren't really in the movie either. But, you know, you do have a lot of pop songs and rap songs in this film, and that's not on the soundtrack release, and, and they planned that from the beginning. In fact, the spinoff, Get Him to the Greek, was announced one week after Forgetting Sarah Marshall had a pretty good opening weekend. Oh, cool. Especially considering it's sort of smaller budget. So. Yeah, I got, I, and I gotta say that the pop music parody stuff is just dead on. I love the thing with his, his ex-wife uh, or uh, Jackie. Jackie Q. Q. Yeah, yeah, which at first it's a perfect name, but just like whenever they cut to the music videos and snippets of her song, <laughs> it's just oh god, I I I love European techno pop. That is perfect. I love techno pop and club music, uh, and it's it's just dead on. <laughs> Well, not only that, but um, Russell Brand is Aldous Snow and Rose Byrne is Jackie Q. They can actually sing. Mm, and that makes true. a huge difference. You know, it's not like Burt Reynolds in um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> yeah, <we just laughs> right? You know, it's like, oh, this character. I mean, this is different in that the, the star, the character of Aldous Snow is a pop star. But having someone that can actually sing pretty well and that Aldous Snow was a, um, I, I want to say rocker, that makes me sound old, but he did rock and roll music and stuff earlier in his career, from what I understand. I, I, a musician, right, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, um, singer-songwriter, like, is really neat. And one thing I was looking at the credits of this film that I did not realize is Jason Siegel, who wrote Forgetting Sarah Marshall, the one that takes place before this, helped write a lot of the lyrics on the songs and get them to the Greek, the original music. Cool. Like, that was actually, that was the one thing I thought was missing from my, my DVD, is that uh, I, I really wanted to see full music videos for all of Jackie mm. Q's songs, but all we get are the snippets from this film. Yeah, I believe they have some extended musical sequences as, as deleted scenes or something, but right, it, it as they go on, you we can talk about, we'll talk about this and pitch a sequel, but... <laughs> I think you could have had a film just about all to know his various music videos and had that be a film because they're that entertaining. The songs are that clever and they sound like real, they have catchy hooks. It sounds like real rock, uh, pop, Euro pop music, depending on who's performing the pieces. Well, that's, that's the, I think the thing, the other thing that makes these movies work so well, total commitment from everyone involved. The fact that they're, they're willing to make, such well-crafted music videos, even if we're only going to see about 15 seconds of them. How did you like Elizabeth Moss, uh, who plays Peggy on Mad Men, as Daphne, uh, Aaron's uh, girlfriend? I thought, she was, I thought she was all right. I feel the... the, um, the, the I guess the, the thing that, that I, I didn't quite like is at the beginning of the film, I don't mm. feel that we really got a chance to see the real her. We only really get a chance to see the real her later in the movie, because you know she she is she is a uh, she's a, a nurse practitioner. Uh, they said she's a doctor. Oh no, a doctor. Yeah, and she just works these horrible, grueling shifts, and you yep. know, their lie. Uh, she and Aaron, their lives like never like their time never quite syncs up. Not, like they're they're have very little time together where they're not just exhausted and sleeping. And I kind of because like that was the thing is like I could not 
in those early scenes, I, I could totally buy that that was the state of their relationship, but I could not buy how why they had a relationship to begin with and how it was allowed to get that way. Um, and I think that made her a bit unsympathetic at the beginning. It wasn't until that is a weakness in that I warmed up to her. Right. I mean, that is the weakness in this film is that it's not concentrating on her, unlike in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where you're concentrating on different romantic characters, um, you know, females the main character is interested in and recovering from a breakup, going on rebound uh, hookups and so forth. It, she's there at the beginning and she's there at the end and she's not there very much in the middle. She doesn't go along with the guys on their adventure. And I don't know if it would have helped if she would have, you know, randomly shown up in Las Vegas later in the film. I don't think that that wouldn't have even made sense. That'd be a bit forced, right? Schedule. How the yeah. hell would she get there? Although I will say that is one thing that they do, they do get right. Um, I had a fr- a friend of mine was a, is a, used to be an EMT. He was an EMT for about four or five years. And there are a lot of medical professionals that are just worked like dogs like that. And I think they not just that, they but that. as you see in this film, you're on call. So, you know, even when you're off, you could have to zip to the hospital and do something or, or yeah, zip to a, right a, cr- a crime up. scene, a crash scene at any moment. Right. So and, and watching this movie now compared to when I first uh, rented it when it came out on uh, DVD, I could relate to this a bit more in the relationship because uh, right now with my day job, I work from six in the morning to three in the afternoon and my wife works ten hour four ten hour days. So she works from like, uh, I don't know, it's like. 10 in the morning till like 9 in the evening, 8.30 in the evening. Hmm. So we don't get to see each other very much during the week. And it it does sort of, it captures the kind of loopiness of that relationship where you get to see each other for what, maybe like an hour or less uh, during the majority of the week per day. Hmm. And I can sort of appreciate that part in here. Uh, I'm really impressed with how good Sean Combs, also known as... I don't know what he's known. What Puffy or P. Diddy? I don't know what he's. P. Is that his current thing, or is it just Diddy? Maybe it's just Diddy. I don't know. Let's look up Mr. Wikipedia. What is it? Sean Combs has changed his name so many times. You know what? Let's just that... call him the Phantom. No, nobody knows what we're talking about. If we say the Phantom, but he's always changing. He is. I don't know. He's produced a lot of albums. I don't know if he's come out with a new album anytime recently. Um. But whatever. I, I really don't know that much about Sean Combs' music, but I will say he's very funny in this film. Yeah, like, uh, and in fact, I actually didn't know it was him at first, and partly mm. that's because, and I'm and I'm going to say this right now, I'm not really a fan of his of much of his music. Uh, he does a lot of things that I that I do not like uh, in in music. But I was blown away by him in this. Like, I want to see more of this character. And he's probably yeah, and they just do a playing good... a heightened version of himself, but he plays it so yeah. well. I mean, even from the beginning, where it's the sales meeting where, you know, uh, Jonah Hill is, Aaron Green is there, and they're trying to come up with new ideas for the label. And Jonah Hill happens to be a fan of uh, Aldous Snow and says, hey, this guy hasn't done something for a while. We should do a 10 year sort of anniversary concert for him and have all his fans come out. Because uh, that's the really interesting thing in this movie with the main character, Aldous Snow, played by Russell Brand. In Forgetting Sarah Marshall, for the most part, his character was sober the entire film, except for maybe a little bit like at a bar scene towards the end where he drinks a bit, right? Uh, no, I don't believe he drinks or does any drugs in Forgetting Sarah uh, Through the whole thing, because he talks about how he's sober. Yeah, because that was kind of his okay. thing, is that he had, it was right. almost him I'm getting sorry. That, that part of his life under control. Yep. So in this, it's kind of the opposite and more of what you expect of a rock and roll maniac. Yeah, he's just he's he's completely he's let loose, completely let loose, and always always doing as many drinking and having as much drugs and just concentrating on above all having a good time. So, yeah. Jonah Hill's character has to work to to pitch it to uh, Sean Combs' character. And uh, they eventually, he eventually accepts, but he gives them strict deadlines, you know, and that, that, I like how the plot of this movie is so direct and simple. He has to get him to the Greek theater to do a show well, that, within, I think, like two day, two or three days or something. Yeah, I think he has like 72 hours, I think, is like the initial deadline yeah. when he gets the assignment. 
He has to go up from London to uh, Manhattan to do the Good Morning America, or is it the Today Show? Yep. Oh, that's the other thing. I like go, that there's all these little yeah. incremental deadlines along the way. You know, it's it's almost like a quest boiled down to its most basic components. You've got to get to this obstacle, and then this threshold guardian, right. and then this set piece. And but then the they whole, keep the on blowing film... the deadlines, and it doesn't really matter, because they manage to squeak by anyway, on time. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the thing I, I like, is that, is that they're, all, they're always just barely accomplishing anything that they set out to do throughout the film. What do you think of the character that Jonah Hill plays in this compared to his character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Much more do you think they're they're but... similar, more, more compelling in this one? Well, he's a real person in this one. He's not just yeah. a, 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 a he's not just a a fellow there to sort of deliver deliver jokes into uh, in the faces of the the other characters. I mean that his, his character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall has no arc, but he but he shouldn't have one. If he had an arc, it would distract from from everything that's going on. Hmm. That's a it's a really good point. I think, and that he has a, a girlfriend that he hasn't you know committed to proposing to, or and it seems like they've been together you know long enough where they've moved in and lived with each other for a while, and they sort of have complications on the road. And I think also part of it is Aaron Green is just with Aldous Snow in the middle of it, and especially when you're under the influence of um, you know whatever Jeffries he's smoking <laughs> or whatever he's drinking. <laughs> How could you not resist all these lovely ladies coming up and they're sort of pointing at him going, here, you take this, you take destiny, you take this one. No, the, the sex, the sex in this movie is fantastic because it's just as awkward <laughs> and bizarre as, uh, as real world hookups. Yeah, it's not, it's not sexy. In fact, it'll linger in these like bizarre close-ups of uh, Jonah Hill going like, I don't want this. I don't, you're hurting me. Stop, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Whether they're having sex in a bathroom in kind of or. And I, I love it. Yeah. I, I, that's another thing I love. I love that the, the sex is, is raw, honest, and not pornographic. Are you offended by pornographic sex in films? It's not that I'm offended by it. I guess I guess it's that I want it to either be be very real or or very erotic, and I don't like half steps. But I mean, even watching this, it just makes me realize, and I we keep on talking about this on sequel cast in movies in the '80s, especially. You had like tits everywhere. And nowadays, you don't see a lot of nudity in movies or in comedies, you know. And you saw it all the time in stuff like Stripes in the 80s. And seeing it in Gimbra the Greek is kind of refreshing in a way. Yeah. But you, it's not as, I guess I'd say, like exploitative in something like Harold and Kumar go to Guantanamo Bay, where they go to a, a pool party in Miami. But the, the twist is it's a bottomless pool party, not a topless pool party. <laughs> Where you know you're just putting the, the the nudity on there just for people to ogle at. Well, you know it's like what we talked about in in forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's realistic and honest nudity. Right, a fleeting glimpses, not lingering uh, close-ups. I think you might say. And the movie, I think, goes at a pretty good pace until towards the end for me. Y- you go around and you find out more about Aldous Snow's character that he had a child with uh, pop star Jackie Q. Only he didn't really. (laughs) No. What do you mean? Did I miss something? You did not pick that up? No, I I guess not. I've seen this film twice. That's not his kid. It's not? I thought it was. No, no. Well... Maybe the the, the the maybe they focus more on this in the the unrated uh, that that like un, unrated extended cut. But yeah, uh-huh. the, the, the undertone of the of the scene is that that he figures out that that's not his kid. Oh, I totally missed. And that, that Jackie Q had had cheated on him during a shoot, and that that child was the result. And that that's Wait, he, that's why huh. he starts referring to the child like as like his first by his first just name, by the not first as his name. Son. Well, that makes more sense now. How I could not catch that despite watching the film twice. Yeah, they're, they're practically uh, they practically come right out and say it, but they're dropping some completely non subtle hints about the 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 yeah. parentage of the child. Well, not, and he also looks nothing like him either. I also love but that also, his name is Naples, like that, like yeah, Naples, like, like the cookie, like the country. Yes. Good cookie, great country. And I think also, I guess I was thrown off just because uh, 
Elder Snow cares about Naples. Well, yeah, like N- Naples is kind of the only constant thing in his life. It, it's it's the only it's it's probably the it, it well at least when he thought that he was Naples' father, Naples was probably the only thing he ever created that he was completely proud of and and wasn't you know constantly judging himself by. Yeah, and wasn't you know selfish too. I mean, he's very self-serving. He kind of Aldous Snow does what Aldous Snow wants to do, which is kind of like I like that he takes it so well when he finds out that it's not really his kid. He just kind of tries to quietly extricate himself from the whole thing. I don't know how I missed that both times. I'm just an idiot, I guess. I guess I just got sucked into the movie. Well, uh, to be fair, though, you could be an idiot savant. You know, I, I, many people have told me that over the years. And if you want to listen to other examples of me being an idiot savant and check out other episodes of SequelCast or our sister show, Sequel Commentary or SequelCast Special, you can go to SequelCast.com. Hey, what's 47 times 62? A lot of numbers. Why? Well, I was that was one of my idiot savant tests. It's uh, oh, 2,914. Okay. There you go. So if you got that right, you just might be an idiot savant. Yeah, yeah, um, if you can do somewhat complicated high school math, or simple high school math in a, less than a minute, you might be an idiot savant. I see. If you can uh, talk about sequels without going on a tangent, you might be an idiot savant. You you might okay. be someone we don't want on this show. <laughs> in many ways, the tangents are the best part. They're the current. Get them to the grink. You talk about tangents. Get them to the Greek as a movie is full of tangents. They're trying to get to the Greek theater on time so they can do rehearsals and do this show and oh, yeah. not have uh, Aldous Snow presumably too fucked up to, to put on the show for his audience because the tickets sold out right away. Uh, probably to surprise of uh, Sergio, the character played by Sean Combs. And, you know, they go to New York, they have that, but really a, a big part of the film and sort of the heart of the film in the second half really starts where they're supposed to be going to L.A. to the Greek theater, and instead they take a detour to Las Vegas, where Aldous Snow's sort of, you know, father that wasn't really there for him is part of a, he plays, does he play bass guitar or something? And it's not in a Rat Pack tribute act in Las Vegas? Yeah, he's part of a lounge act. He's part of the lounge act, does some uh, the backup instrumentals for him. Yeah, Col Meany, who who many people will remember as a Chief yes. O'Brien from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Wasn't he also in DS Nine? Uh, yes, he did transfer to DS Nine and was on that for a number of years. And I believe he was also in Waking Ned Divine, wasn't he? It could be. He's been in a lot of films. Uh, I saw him recently on a Sci-Fi Channel miniseries of uh, Alice in Wonderland oh. that also starred Tim Curry. Where they sort of did these supporting parts, and he was sort of the in that one. Um, Cole Meany was sort of the the lackey to the Queen of Hearts, played by Kathy Bates. Who was uh, Tim Curry? Tim Curry played the dodo, uh, but he wasn't dressed up like the animal. It was <laughs> it, it was a very loose sort of like New Age is I don't know. It's like it's a very loose sort of magic realism take on Alice in Wonderland. You, if you want to see a truly miserable and uninspiring magical realism take on Alice in Wonderland, uh, see Malice in Wonderland. It's a mm. scrawl. Uh, it's it's hard to get through. If you can find a videotape somewhere, you can see me. Oh, you can't see me, but I was an assistant student director in high school of uh, Alice in Wonderland performance, a oh, cool. uh, stage production. So... Not that if you can find like a Walton High School '98 Alice in Wonderland videotape, although you I did never some work know. on that. <laughs> you never know with YouTube; it might all be on YouTube. I don't know. But back to get him to the Greek. So, what do you think of the relationship in the movie between Aldous Snow and his father, Jonathan Snow, played by Cole Meany? It it kind of makes a sort of sense. They they don't go. The thing that's interesting is when they meet up, they they fight a little bit, but like they don't hate each other. They sort of chill out take their drugs and drink and just kind of hang out, you know, kind of have a, a crazy time in Vegas. And not like the hangover where they're going to all the different casinos, but they're sort of chilling out in the lounge room. Yeah, well, I think I think what it is is they both, when, when they get reunited, they both think they understand each other, and that alone prevents so many uh, very obvious and predictable conflicts. 
and they're able to start trying to have real honest conversations. And I really like the plot twist where Sean Combs' character Sergio is uh, called on the phone by Aaron Green, played by Jonah Hill, and they're trying to check up and see, hey, you know, you're supposed to be up to start rehearsal for this concert in L.A., where are you? And Jonah Hill is trying to make up some lame excuse, and Sean comes like, well, I'm coming right over to check where you are, And but the twist is, oh, he's actually in Vegas, and knows he's in Vegas, and is yeah. following him. So I thought that was a real nice moment, and then when he gets there, you would expect Sergio to be mad, but instead he's like, hey, let's party, let's party. All the snow so hard, he kind of crashes, and we have to sort of drag him along to L.A., and he won't be conscious. And you know what? That is a valid tactic. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Between us, we're as old as four RPG protagonists. And now Alex will give us a funny anagram for the name of the show. Uh, big old knockers. Uh. Join us every month or so on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Here at Chat of the Wild, our game club podcast, we have been using our lens of truth to do deep dives on the Legend of Zelda series, in order, covering one to two dungeons each episode. Our show also looks at Zelda-likes, such as Crusader of Senti, Golden Axe Warrior, and the bizarre journey of For the Frog the Bell Tolls. Join us right now as we play Ari and the Secret of Seasons, our first new release since Season 1. Or check out our past seasons breaking down nearly 20 action-adventure titles. New episodes drop every Wednesday, here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. It is. Sometimes <laughs> I mean, the, to, yeah. to keep yourself out of tr- bigger trouble, you have to put yourself in a certain amount of trouble in the moment. Yeah, if you're going to be in trouble, staying among friends and people you know in a single area is better than bar hopping and losing something. Oh, what do you think of the, the drug use in that scene where, where <laughs> jo- Jonah Hill <laughs> gets his mind blown? <laughs> yeah, in more ways than one. I think it's really fun. You know, any scene where you see characters trip off of drugs, it's really interesting to see how they do it. And this one... It's not like you see the hallucinations that the characters are seeing. You more see like how other people are reacting to them, <laughs> being on drugs when the other people aren't on as many drugs with the fuzzy walls and stuff, which has a nice payoff at the end of the film. Well, I just love that. I love that bit with uh, with you know where he's seeing where he's seeing uh, <laughs> the the, the uh, floating head of Sergio. Yes, Check it out. yeah. I'm eating my own head, and he's he's a little oh, yeah. man move. That was That's fantastic. pretty nice. That's pretty good. And I think, is Jeffrey a real term, or do they make it up for the movie? I don't know. I, I think they made it up. Because even then, but, doesn't he yeah. say, oh, I made that name up? That's what I'm calling it, made it up. I'm calling it a Jeffrey. All right, and the father's, oh, Jeffrey, that's someone that lives down the street. Hello, Jeffrey. Yeah. So they do that kind of bit, but they sort of give him this, it's just so much. And just, I, I really like the shot where I, this looked like they did it on a camera sort of mounted on Jonah Hill that's facing his face. Oh, yeah, it's a camera that's mounted on a harness strapped and, to your chest. On, on like and a steady cam thing that's face pointing towards you. And he's like, it's alive. And he kind of does a Frankenstein monster thing where he oh. goes up and the camera's barely shaking. Yeah, yeah, he, just, he's injected with on adrenaline his face. and then just like shoots up off the ground and has this amazing yeah. freak out. And it's I gotta say, great. that is a perfect way of filming insanity. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, that Michelin web look, but the the sketch series, The Amazing Adventures of Sir Digby Chicken Caesar, like all of Sir Digby's scenes are filled from a camera mounted on his own chest like that. Is that a BBC show? Uh, yes, it's a BBC sketch comedy show. And Sir Digby oh, okay. Chicken Caesar is this insane homeless man who thinks that he's sort of a Sherlock Holmes. And he has this very skewed perception of reality and kind of like wanders through normal scenes trying to solve an elaborate conspiracy that isn't there. Hmm. And and it's but but yeah, that's the way. And and there's sort of a running gag where anytime he's in danger, he starts running and it's all sort of it's imagine somebody like, you know, running film from that angle. But then he's thinking in his head chase music. Yeah, and like coming up with traits for the enemies he thinks are pursuing him. But yeah, it's a it's a good way to to represent that kind of heightened state. Oh, oh what did you think of the whole the whole fuzzy uh, wall run that they have, where where he, Jonah Hill and Russell Brand are stroking that patch of carpet that's on the wall? It's really evocative, and I love how it's paid off with a song called "Fuzzy Wall" that sort of Aldous Snow's um, sort of tip of the hat to the adventures he had with uh, Aaron Green throughout oh, yeah. the film. It is a nice payoff, and uh, it's funny. It's something distinctive. It's something weird enough where you'd see in Vegas and uh, not give it a second look. 
So, I mean, let's take a, a break for a second. We'll wrap up talking about getting to the Greek in a second. Oh. But, uh, let's talk about some of our sponsors uh, over at, or affiliates over at SequelCast. Let's do. .com, our website. So you can go to SequelCast.com. Not only can you check out, like, some new, we have some news stories and reviews that get put up every once in a while, yeah. but you can check out all the past episodes of SequelCast, but our other shows, Sequel Commentary, where we do audio commentary for sequels and cult films, Which we've and SequelCast Special. One. Conan we recently Destroyer. did one for yeah Conan the Destroyer the the second and so far final Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan film although he's been rumored to be working on a new one which I'd like to see that actually happen but we'll see and uh, if you go to SequelCast and you, you like SequelCast or any of our shows you might want to consider donating we got a donate link on the left and we got a link at the top of the page you can donate via PayPal uh, through a number of uh, pay through a number of methods and it just helps out the show because it costs. Money to do podcasts, not a lot, but some, and every little bit helps. Greatly appreciated. You can also get a, things like SequelCast t-shirts, flasks, buttons, mouse pads at our uh, Cafe Press link on the site. And uh, you can also hear SequelCast on Stitcher Smart Radio, which is a uh, an app for your smartphone, or you can also download it on your desktop or laptop computer, where you can listen to podcasts on the go streaming. Not only that, SequelCast is an Amazon.com affiliate where we have links on there where if you see something you like, you can click on it. And uh, next time we do your Amazon shopping, and we get a cut uh, off of that, whatever shopping you do. So that's greatly, greatly appreciated. We get to say it with me now, wet our beaks a little. Wet our beaks a little. Thrasher, you love that phrase. I do. It's it's one of my favorites. So I don't think I'm... Uh, on Twitter, you can follow us at, at SequelCast is my account. And Thrasher, you are at Internet Mayor. At Internet Mayor, that is correct. Very good. And uh, now back to the sequel cast on Get Him to the Greek. Well, I've got the uh, second a question for you. Y- yes, uh, go how, ahead. What was your? How did you like that whole? I think my favorite part of the movie was the whole sort of side adventure that uh, Aaron Green has, where he's trying to get where he's where he's in Vegas and he's trying to get drugs for uh, for all this <laughs> snow. And he and it, like beginning with him talking to the guy at the hotel yeah. counter, ending with him like blood stains <laughs> on his shirt, stumbling to the hotel room. Just that I think it's on the flight to Vegas from New York. Russell Brand. Well, it starts off like earlier in the film, and they build up with it throughout. Where he gets, um, I'll just call him by the actors' names. I'm really bad with okay. the character name. Russell Russell Brand gets Jonah Hill. To smuggle heroin up his ass. And Jonah Hill's nervous. He calls Sean Combs, and Sean Combs' like, No, you got to do it. You know, this is your big moment to shine. You yeah. got to prove yourself. He tells you to take it up, to smuggle the heroin up the ass. You do it. And so he does it, and then he gets it out, and he stomps on it and just makes it like unusable. So Russell Brand forces him to get drugs, and it's just like a crazy adventure where someone ends up getting shot. You just get bits and pieces of the story. Which is so perfect. Like, you can imagine yeah. so much crazy stuff. I mean, that could have been a movie in itself. And, you know, the movie's in Vegas, but unlike, like, The Hanover, it's not like the whole film is about being in Vegas. That's just a piece of it. So, um, near the end of the film, there's a scene that reminded me of something else we talked about on Sequel Cast. We recently did a series of shows about the Kevin Smith Viewisk Universe movies. And one of them in particular, Chase and Amy, had a scene where there's a proposed threesome between characters. Oh, yeah. And the scene in Get Him to the Greek, I was reminded of that a lot. Except things go a bit further and a bit different here, where it's between uh, Jonah Hill, Russell Brand, and uh, Jonah Hill's girlfriend, uh, played by Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, I I liked that much more in this film than in Chasing Amy. Yeah. Only because, one... Uh, Aldous Snow does seem like the character that real that could or that would <laughs> sure. propose a threesome as a way to solve problems of tension. But I also love how they how much they commit to it and how they start. They actually attempt it, and it doesn't work like so many attempted threesomes. That yeah, are entered into um, hastily without ground rules. There could be a story about that, but I'm not getting into that. Uh, this one time in Bandcamp College, oh, whatever. Okay. Bandcamp College? <laughs> yeah, Bandcamp College, where you go to college to learn uh, to major in Bandcamp. It's a <laughs> it's a small few. But, yeah, no, I, I love the awkwardness, like in the sex scenes and this threesome scene. 
they actually commit to what the characters are proposing to, unlike in Chasing Amy. And it's a nice surprise and gives a good bit of business for uh, the character of Daphne to do, where she's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it right now. She's so enthusiastic. Table. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Jonah Hill's like, I'm not sure. And then uh, the tables are flipped again, where Jonah Hill kind of, you know, tries to go guy on guy with Aldous Snow and kind of pushes it a bit. And like he said, no ground rules, no boundaries, no safe word. It just creates a lot of awkwardness, and it just sort of fizzles out in a really, I think, realistic fashion. Well, what I love that, and that's the, that's the other thing that, that that you never see addressed in 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 threesomes is what happens if it is two guys and a girl. And I, lo- mm, and I right. love that, yeah. he, that, that, that as much as <laughs> as much as Aldous Snow is into this, he has he wants nothing to do with the other guy. Right. And he'd be like, "Hey, hey, you know, you, uh, you know, Aaron Green, you, you go watch. I'll be right here." No, it's, can, no, that's what we learned from SNL. That's the golden rule. If if it's not gay, if it's not gay, if it's a three way, there's a woman between the two guys. <laughs> Fantastic yeah. uh, music video. Oh, that's very funny. That was a lonely I- island. Uh yeah, it was a lonely island featuring lonely Lady island, Gaga but... and Justin Timberlake. Right, so some one of the more recent, one of the last ones they did. Yeah, then. it was last year actually. Oh, okay, yeah, the last season or, or uh, earlier this year. Uh, it's it's a regardless, it's a good one. It's uh, real, really worth checking out. It's it's everything the Lonely Island does well. Do you think the end of this film feels a bit rushed? Because I sort of do. Where you get the payoff of the concert, you don't see that much of the concert, and then there's an epilogue at a VH1 storytellers, which who knows if VH1 even does that show anymore. I think they do actually. Where it's, it's performers doing acoustic versions of songs, yeah. But no, I actually, I actually thought it worked. You know, only only because it's it's sort of a position I've been in, where nothing is together. You're at the side of the performance, and then suddenly it's the best performance you've ever done. Mm. That that yeah. is so much of the process of doing anything live and in the moment. It cannot possibly work until you start doing it, and then then it's just. It just happened so smoothly. I think I, I I thought that it that it worked perfectly well, and I do like the epilogue on the VH1 storytellers that then turns into the the fuzzy wall song. It's a very nice song. You know, the thing towards the end of the film that kind of took me out a bit is uh, Russell Brand goes for a kind of halfway hookup with uh, his ex Jackie Q. Oh yeah, and then just feels kind of down in the dumps and. Um, wants to try and kill himself and leaves a message on Aaron Green's phone and Aaron Green goes to show up. That felt a bit false. Like, I don't think Aldous Snow could reach that low, that low of a low. Well, I think in the case of Aldous Snow, it is only a cry for attention. Mm, and and okay. you know, if, he was on st- yeah. if he was already on stage, I don't think he'd feel that way because he's getting a kind of... Because he needs attention, he just doesn't care whether yep. it's constructive, positive attention or people looking at a freak show. And since he's not on stage, he's not performing, he's not having any kind of creative outlet or productivity. He just kind of def- he defaults to a big sh- a big a big stunt like trying to kill himself. I completely don't think he would normally go through seriously go through with it. And I love that he falls and gets caught, but breaks his wrist. Yeah, which that's you know kind of like in forgetting Sarah Marshall. Where he's surfing, and then he, uh, you know, gets into an accident. There's a bit of bone sticking out. I think in that scene too, or a coral, I guess. Oh uh, yeah, you you got you got to have a little pain, a little blood for these things to work. I think so. I mean, not just blood, but vomit. There's a lot of vomit in this <laughs> film from Jonah Hill's character. It looks like real vomit too. It comes out of nowhere. It's like it's always dribbling on his suit jacket, and he doesn't seem to. He seems to be oblivious to it, or he seems to keep on going, which is kind of an endearing quality. Because uh, he's trying to be professional, you know, trying to be the handler for Aldous Snow. And, um, yeah, I think watching this film a second time, uh, Get Him to the Greek, I liked it a lot more than the first time around. It's got a lot of layers. It has a lot of layers, like an onion. Um, so why don't we... One, two, three, four, five. Rate it! Rate Get Him to the Greek on a scale of one to five. All right. And uh, do you want to go first, or should I? You can. I always go ahead, Thrasher. Why don't you go? Well, you know, look, looking looking back at it, I think I think I've got to give this 
a, a full five. Even when the film started to slow down, I still think it worked. This film just hit everything just right for me. Hmm. And and I think it's 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 a worth it's worth my time, and I, it has a good payoff. I think that Get Him to the Greek overall isn't as successful as Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think Sarah Marshall is more successful at blending some of the romantic, emotional elements into the comedy. And yet, the music parody is really clever. You do uh, care about these characters. I would give it three and a half out of five stars. Really? Yeah. So I would give it... So, now we're going to do our segment, Pitch a Sequel. The hosts are wound up. So it's time to pitch a sequel. A sequel. A sequel. A sequel. We pretend, you know, pitch your own sequel to the film we're talking about. Get him to the Greek. And uh, what I would do is, I would just call it Aldous Snow Behind the Music. And the whole thing would be kind of like that Simpsons episode that was a spoof on the Behind the Music format. Oh, yeah. The whole thing would be like a feature-length mockumentary, but still all the characters play it very straight, about his career, and you get to see a lot of not just clips, but full music videos throughout his career. And maybe there's a, a part where Aldous Snow wants to try a different uh, kind of music. And he does the one-off album that's, you know, like country or something. It's just a total flop. I think that'd be a very clever way to continue exploring this character. And I think you'd have to put in a cameo from uh, some of the characters from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, and, and what did you think about the... There was a very brief Sarah Marshall character cameo in Get Him to the Greek at the beginning. Oh, it was like blind on the medicine. airplane. Yeah, yeah. He sees a trailer a for, for for Sarah Marshall in a medical drama, Blind Medicine, where she's she's a blind doctor. That that was that was great. Uh, the DVD I had, I mean, I love that. I love that they bring her back. And I believe there's actually one of the newspaper headlines of the montage at the beginning. I believe mentions the Dracula rock opera. But um, mm, okay, with the Sarah Marshall thing on the DVD, I had they had like a full like four or five minutes of footage from Blind Medicine that was just absolutely brilliant. And so much of it was just her and the other doctor walking down corridors. Oh, I should have checked that out. It pays uh, off in a great gag, because he's like, I've yeah. been lying to her this whole time. We've just been walking in a circle. <laughs> 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 it's so great. And like she's performing it, surgery yeah. by touch, and like blood is flying everywhere. So what would be your pitch a sequel for Get Him to the Greek? Well, I, I want to go ahead and do a whole trilogy. So, so as, you, mm, as you remember, okay. uh, last episode for Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I proposed doing a sequel for Getting Pete Bredder. So yep. f- for this film, I'm going to do, for, for this sequel, the sequel to Get Him to the Greek, I'm going to do Forgetting Aldous Snow, where it's all about mm. Jackie Q dealing with the fallout of her breaking up with uh, with Aldous Snow okay. and the guy from Metallica and the photographer yep. who, fa- who fathered uh, Naples and just sort of dealing with her dealing with her trying to get her life together and find creative fulfillment in this world of fashion modeling and music videos where she she starts to realize that what she really wants is to be is to be taken seriously and that's her emotional arc she wants to be taken seriously but has no idea how to do it because she's she's always been the pretty face or the outrageous uh, pop star so would she get back with all the snow no but he would have a cameo uh, she would she would attempt to but it mm, wouldn't okay. and uh and again that's and that's part of her arc is she's going to realize she doesn't have to have a man in her life uh that that would be part of part, I see. Of, part of her arc uh, i think that's interesting and sort of fitting with how they did get him to the greek as a you know sequel spin-off thing to forgetting sarah marshall and then you could just concentrate on another character in the universe and who knows maybe maybe she'll try to have a fling with pete bretter ah maybe who's now taking his dracula rock opera on tour and he's become uh, a bit uh, of a rock star himself yeah. because of it. Now, doesn't Jackie Q have a brief music video in Get Him to the Greek called something like Ring Around the Posy? No, Ring, ring Around then, the, ro- yeah, around ring the around Rosie. Yeah, Ring Around the which is, which is like has at, at all the this end. great music yeah. video image totally inappropriate to the the material. That's that's the thing I like is that all of her all of her songs are in some way about anal sex. And yeah. Ring Around the Rosie being just the most blatant one, because the last line of the song is, I'm talking about my asshole. Yeah. 
<laughs> if nothing else, after watching Get Him to the Greek, I want to get that soundtrack album. Yeah. That is just all the spoof songs in the movie. That... That is a type of that is a type of comedy I really really like, where you you do something clever and then immediately boil it down to one line. I, I will say, sequel cast listeners, if you like Genwin to the Greek and want to see something else in this same style, I'd really recommend watching. I can't think of the title now. What's Damn, it I'm stupid. It's with. Uh... Oh my goodness! I'm so. Okay, this came out maybe I think like a few years before Get Him to the Greek. Uh, Dewey Cox. Oh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox. Walk story. Hard. Oh, that's it. Brilliant. De- that's a deconstruction that's of a really the music biopic. So good, we can't make biopics anymore, and yet somehow we are. Yeah, and that one sadly was a flop. I would have liked to seen another one of those. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do one down the road. I don't know. They seem to be doing a lot of these sequels. You know, like ten years after the original. I- but in that one, like Get Him to the Greek, the songs are funny, but they also work as actual songs. Well, as I said, if if you if you didn't know to look for a joke, you might never realize the fake song. Because you know yeah. what it's like. Have you ever been in a supermarket or a mall or somewhere, and where they play you know piped in music, and they've played uh, Eyes of a Child? Have you ever heard that played over a PA? Not that one in particular, but I know the Muzak sound you're talking about. Well, the thing is. Eye of a Child is a parody of that kind of song that somehow got into the rotation. If you actually is that from listen- South Park by Michael McDonald performs it? Uh, yeah, it's from the South, from the South Park, Park movie. And, yeah, but yeah, and and okay, I, I, I get they probably tried to sell it to whatever service does that, thinking oh they'll never do this, and then they did it, and it's just every time I hear that, like I just get a chuckle because like oh gosh, these people are listening to this thing, and they have no idea. <laughs> Well, to top that story, did you know in the uh, 60s they did a, a Muzak version of Springtime for Hitler that was like elevator music style? Oh, fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget the artist that did it, but it's... Mel Brooks tells the story how he was on an elevator and he hears that come on and people in the audience were tapping their toes and swaying to the music. And he's thinking, oh, my, if they only knew the lyrics. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Um Great. Well, let's do our final segment on sequel cast. Pitch a sequel. Uh, just... what fuck am I, I, I'm a fucking idiot. God no, damn. you're a savant. It's been a long... I'm a savant. Sorry. Not, a, not just an idiot. You see, you're doing the I'm show savant. backwards, idiot but living savant. it forwards. Um, yeah. As they say in Pig Latin, Akve Uye. Uh, anyway, Essence that's probably uncalled for. Ooh, what is that? Listen to SequelCast listeners. Tell us at SequelCast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, we're going to do What You Watching. What, 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 what You Watching. In which we talk about a piece of media, whether it be music, video game, or film, that we've talked about in the... Er, have, uh, not talked about. We've experienced in the past week. Uh, why don't you start, Thrasher, since you did... All right. Well, I've been, uh, I've been rereading uh, Stealer of Souls, which is... Uh, it's a book that collects uh, the first cycle of uh, of. Wait, did I talk about this last week? I think you might have. Yeah. Oh crud! Oh well, then I better. It's it's a long <laughs> book. Uh, oh sure, you well when you were you were recently on uh, Thanksgiving vacation. Yeah. On the holidays, did you watch a movie with your family? Sadly, sadly, I didn't. We we tr- oh. you know, we usually try to. It just did not uh, work out uh, this year. But actually, I'll tell you what I, I did do, though, since I finally I, I had a lot of time in the day where I didn't have to work on projects. I got back into reading my uh, centenary edition of the uh, of the original Conan stories by Robert E. Howard. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm reading, I, be- I believe it's uh, Drums Along the Black River right now, which is... Mm-hmm. Which is so so far has been the only Conan story I haven't liked from the start, but now I'm totally into it and totally understand why the setup is the way it was. Now, which reprint is this? Is this one of the three volume uh, hard uh, trade paperback reprint they did, or is this all of it in one hardcover? No, or? no. This is a this is a a uh, this uh, is a, uh, a a faux leather soft cover uh, hmm. that was done. It was actually it was actually done in Britain. 
and and I oh. guess it was overproduced, and a couple of copies got into the states because I huh. bought it at a, at a, a bookstore in Lexington and uh, peeled off the price tag, and lo and behold, under the price tag is this British uh, product identification number with the price in pounds and euros, and this like note like for sale in Britain or, or something like that. So it was the on some of these you know um, faux leather bound reprints. The print is like super tiny. Is that the case with this one? Uh, the 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 print isn't super tiny, but they they use a page format that's larger than most paperbacks. So you're still getting a lot of text on a page. Okay. It's a big it's a big heavy book. It's like a Bible. But it's all the official original Robert E. Howard Conan stories in one it's, volume. It's all of the Conan short fiction. But not Red Nails. Was that the Red Nails is length? in there because that's a novella oh. length and not full novel length. I see. Some people consider that a novel, but it might as well. It, it, like a lot of novellas, it might as well be. Right. That's such a weird distinction, because you can't call it like a lawn story, because <laughs> instead of a short story. Cause Although I would weird. love that to be a category, the long story, and then yeah. we could have a subgenre called the long story short. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, over the Thanksgiving holiday. My family and I were, were my dad, my stepmom, uh, stepbrothers, stepsisters, and myself, and my wife, of course, were all going to the theater, and we were trying to see uh, Lincoln, the new Steven Spielberg film starring Daniel Day-Lewis, and we went to the theater and kind of, we didn't get there late, but maybe like 10 minutes before the movie starts, that's later than I like to show up if I'm going by myself, and the movie was all sold out. I was really shocked. You don't see that much anymore. For Lincoln, of all things. Uh, so we, instead, we saw the Denzel Washington starring movie Flight, directed by Robert Zemeckis of Back to the Future fame. And we did Back to the Future in the old episodes of SequelCast. You can check out at SequelCast.com. And um, this is actually the first like live-action movie Robert Zemeckis has done, I think, in a decade, if not a little bit more than that. Because he had a stint doing all the motion capture animated films like Beowulf and uh, Christmas Carol. I'm I'm glad to see him doing live action again. Me too. I think part of it is he was a producer on a, a film directed by someone else called Mars Needs Moms. Oh yeah, based on the graphic for Disney, novel. based on the graphic novel. Yeah, that was a huge flop. So I think he, I think he was going to do a, a motion capture uh, remake of Yellow Submarine that never came to pass. Oh yeah, that that's a film that doesn't need to be done again. No, I don't think so. Um... Anyway, Flight is what I saw, and I think it was a little bit sappy. I think the acting was really good. I haven't seen Denzel Washington in anything in a while. I, I know he acts in a lot of movies. I just haven't happened to catch them recently. And I, the dilemma the film presents is interesting. Do you know what it is? Well, it's 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 you know? like there's a there's an emergency on a plane. The yep. pilot the pilot pulls a, a a harebrained stunt that works and saves everyone's lives, but it turns out he had uh, he was drinking on the job. Right, and it's sort of that sort of not just a, a legal quandary, sort of a moral and ethical quandary is, you know, the, the test proved that had he not been drunk, you know, everyone would have died. So. What does that matter? What can you prove? What will he say that he was really... What was lawyers in cover that are defending him? What does that, what does that say? work? Is there any reason why us, he wouldn't have done that if he was sober? Um, You might consider this mild spoilers for flight, but I'll, I'll just say this much. They have pilots, sober pilots, do uh, simulations of what happens. And none of them can make it without everyone dying on the plane. So I'm not sure that him being drunk caused that. That seems a little contrived. It is. It is. In the film, there's a lot of more contrivances in the movie as it comes out. But uh, the, the scene of the crash in particular, where he pulls the stunt, is really well filmed. I don't like shaky cam, but the, the shaky camera is done really well and kind of brings you into if you've ever been in an airplane that hit a big spot of turbulence. It feels like you're on an airplane. That part is directed superbly. I bet Denzel Washington, at the very least, will get an actor nomination and will probably get nominated for some other stuff, too. Well, that's Um, that's good. I think it'd make an okay rental. I just found it a bit cheesy and and preachy. 
Although, I mean, it did have some plot twist I was not expecting. So I don't know if I'd recommend that one. I thought it was okay. But I've heard Lincoln is interesting. I, I plan to catch that sometime this holiday season. In the long run, it's 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 one I would like to see. He is mm-hmm. he, he he is a uh, okay. I think it's crass to have a favorite for every category, but it's like for for me, he and Theodore Roosevelt, my favorite presidents. I thought you were going to say Denzel Washington there for a second. Did, well, he he uh, <laughs> isn't president yet. No, I don't think he's played a president in a movie. Morgan Freeman has, and Chris Rock has. Or he played a nominee, at least. Anyway, we're getting off on too many tangents. I think we've had a really good discussion here in the sequel cast about Get Him to the Greek. So why don't we talk about what we're going to tackle next on the sequel cast? All right. What's our next franchise, Thrasher? Well, if I have been informed correctly, and I believe I have, we are going to be looking at yep. the National Lampoon Vacation series. Consisting of National Lampoon's Vacation... Uh, European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, and Vegas Vacation. We are not going to do an episode to the direct-to-video spinoff, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Uncle Ernie in Paradise, whatever the fuck it's called. Oh, I've heard dear. it's terrible. I've heard it's terrible that it's impossible to get through. It's also kind of difficult to find. Well, you know, that, that might make it the perfect sequel commentary. They don't need to watch the movie, which would ruin their, their evening. They can just listen to us talk about it. Yeah, that's called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. Woof. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think long. that should be a, a rule, is that when you make a sequel, your title can't be uh, can't be longer than the title of the original. So that's what we'll be covering through the holidays. And, of course, if you like sequel cast, uh, every other week we do... Um, other shows in the sequel cast family, such as sequel commentary, uh, which we do audio commentaries of uh, cult and classic films, and sequel cast special, where we talk about topics sometimes related to sequels, sometimes related to film news. You just have to tune in to find out. Check those all out at sequelcast.com. Our theme song, again, is written and performed by Mark with a C. You can find out his uh, albums at markwithac.com. And uh, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying. Fancy a Jeffrey. So <laughs> Jeffrey, he lived down the block. Yeah, he lived down the block. It's it's like a Neapolitan of drugs, you might say. And Russell Brand is is not sound Australian, like I attempted to do. Well, I I think uh, I think your your British voice just dovetails into Australian pretty quickly. Probably because the Australian accent's easier, mind you. I've been to neither Australia nor the United Kingdom. Very warm, don't bring me down.